Hello and welcome to this week's Golf Shake podcast with me, Kieran Clark, coming to you on the week of the 117th United States Open Championship, the second men's major of the year from Erin Hills in Wisconsin, a brand new venue, one that comes with great kind of unknowables and um, a bit of controversy coming in perhaps, obviously a big week for the USGA, can they get through their big championship without any major mishaps happening like, like has been the case in the last couple of years. And one guy who's going to join me this week to try and talk through some of these potential mishaps in the past and who could potentially succeed this week in America's National Championship is my good friend and colleague Owen Davis, who I must quickly mention is back this week, having spent some time last week in Portugal visiting a brand new golf course, West Cliffs, which he certainly very he was very excited about being there. And we'll talk about that in greater depth towards the end of the podcast. But Owen, obviously your quick thoughts, obviously you're back from Portugal, but you've brought back a bit of a cold, haven't you? I have, Kieran, I'm afraid. I'm a little bit under the weather, but uh, struggling on. Um, obviously, a bit of air conditioning on the plane uh, didn't serve me too well. I've obviously caught something nasty off somebody. But, um, you know, it's a bit sad to be uh, a little bit under the weather at a uh, beautiful golf course in Portugal uh, last week. But uh, on the men now and looking forward to a great US Open. Well, you sound like the p- a picture of health right now. You sound perfectly clear and perfectly healthy. And uh, you, I, I, you, the other day you mentioned this golf course was one of the best you'd ever seen. So we'll obviously talk about that in greater detail towards the end of the podcast. But obviously this week, big, big obviously event is the US Open, second major of the year, coming into Aaron Hills, which obviously is a new venue for the US Open, which has kind of been a theme in recent years. The USGA has taken the event to newer golf courses, uh, tried to almost experiment with the championship, try and get away from perhaps the old formula or kind of classic US-style courses with narrow fairways and thick rough around the greens. They've tried to move towards these kind of more wider, wider open, kind of full-length course-style courses, which has perhaps come with a relative level of success. I think Pinehurst number 2 in 2014 was a relatively successful week for them. Overall, it was a different kind of setup there. And overall, it worked pretty well. Then, of course, the year after that, there was Chambers Bay, which I think most people say did not work at all. The golf course conditioning, particularly the greens, was was a disaster. The criticism was really there. The golf course was really fast and running to the extent where it was just, it was like watching a, a Lynx course, but on steroids. It was too much of a good thing. And uh, there was a problem with accessibility with, with the, the fans who were there watching it. So... And again, it created a controversial finish and the players sort of saved the day in the end there with Spieth coming through and winning that one. And then last year at Oakmont, more of a classic venue, obviously we had the great rules debacle with Dustin Johnson who came through and played brilliantly to win that championship in great fashion. And in the end, pretty much saved the USGA from themselves. So this year, Owen, coming to the US Open, how important is it for the USGA and for the US Open as a championship that we get through the week without any major mishaps? Yeah, pretty important. I'm not sure it's going to happen, though, is it? Looking at uh, some of the pictures we've seen so far and video coming in. But, um, yeah, it'd be nice for them to have a a fairly uncontroversial uh, week and um, just set the course up fairly and and get a great winner. Um, They obviously have had good winners uh, the last couple of years um, in Speed and and Dustin Johnson. But uh, it'd be really great if they they got a lot of comments from the players just saying how fair it played and... um, you know, and then you were sure, in, they were sure in their mind that they've set it up correctly. But um, yeah, having a look at some of the pictures so far, it doesn't look uh, necessarily that's going to be the case. 
Well, I think what's kind of people have kind of been attracted to most of all is the very high and long fescue grass, uh, which frames many of the holes at Erin Hills, which of course only opened 11 years ago. They had the US Amateur there six years ago, and it's in Wisconsin, not too far away from uh, Whistling Straits, which is probably a similar kind of golf course where they've had the USPGA in the past and will have the Ryder Cup in a few years' time. But Erin Hills is a, a huge property, a massive golf course. The yardage officially this week is uh, 7,741 yards, uh, which is obviously a big eye-opener for most regular golfers. That seems unfathomable. But that's how big this golf course is. And uh, they can obviously they can change the yardage throughout the week. They have a variety of different tees they like to use. That's something that USGA have quite enjoyed doing in recent years, is dramatically changing the shape or length of a particular hole uh, from day to day during the championship. But obviously it's a different kind of golf course from what I've gathered from it, what I've heard about it, what I've seen of it. Actually, I spent the other evening talking to a golf travel journalist who has played Aaron Hills and he talked, told me about the golf course and what to look out for. And it seems, compared to kind of the quintessential US Open, that the fairways are significantly wider than what we'd normally expect from a US Open. There isn't any rough around the greens. But like you said there, Owen, uh, obviously what's kind of grabbed attention has been the fescue grass, the kind of native grass to this area. And uh, it's, you know, there was a video today from Kevin Na. I did the rounds around social media where he's demonstrating how thick and long this grass really is. And it's only about five yards off the fairways. And uh, apparently, according to uh, the golf journalist Jeff Shackelford, who's a great expert in golf course design and setups, that apparently it's an irrigation issue. They overly irrigated the, the fescue grass in certain areas, and that's why it's grown to this great length. It wasn't something they would actually intended. That said, they haven't cut it back, so they're obviously quite they're quite happy with what they've got right now. But if the ball, any balls going in there, you know, they're, they're going to get lost. It's, it's not a case of trying to hack it out. It's literally the balls are disappearing. So you're going to see a lot of unplayable shot, uh, unplayable lies this week. A lot of Guys losing balls, and in the end, probably far longer rounds. And a big golf course like this, potentially six-hour rounds, could happen quite frequently, which seems to be kind of the antithesis of what the USGA and the governing bodies are trying to promote with the game overall. So when looking at a golf course like this, and obviously the fescue grass is 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 an incredible hazard there, it's going to create a lot of controversy throughout the week. Uh, But obviously having a big golf course like this, surely that would benefit... The long drivers, obviously, you know, the US Open has also been kind of a, a, an event where hitting the fairways is a premium, but surely here it's about hitting the fairways and also hitting it quite far. Yeah, I think um, I think actually the players. I mean, obviously, Kevin Nair, we've seen that video that, like you say, has done the rounds on social. Um, I think the players actually haven't moaned uh, that much about the course at all, and actually, a lot of them have said it's better than they thought it was going to be. Uh, whatever, yeah. whatever that means. I don't know where their expectations <laughs> were set, but probably somewhere around. Yeah. Chambers Bay I would imagine so um, it might not be saying a lot if it's a bit better than that but um, I think you like to say the fairways are wider um, long hitters are obviously going to benefit I've, I think it depends a lot whether it's windy or not um, yeah. 7,700 yards sounds monstrously long but if it's burnt out um, that's really not that long for these guys you'd be surprised what little clubs they're going to hit into some of these holes uh, if there's no wind um, if, if there's no wind I, I think a straight hitter will really benefit. Someone who's just not going to spray it into that long rough at all is going to hit nearly every fairway because they're wide uh, and really take advantage of that. If it's windy and you've got a straight hitter but it's quite short, you're really going to need some length to your game uh, at a course that distance. So uh, if you get one of these holes into the wind, it really will play long. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be really interesting to see uh, how it uh, how it shapes up and who wins. And, you know, it is a complete unknown. Uh, like you said, I think, um, you know, US Amateur was there in the past, uh, 2011. 
Uh, I think there's about 18 players in the field who played in that. So it'd be interesting to see how those guys fare and if it was even set up in the same way. Um, and what's more with the fescue as well, I, you know, you mentioned them over watering. It had, uh, it has, uh, you know, memories of Carnoustie, doesn't it? In 99 when, yeah. uh, Carnasty, did they call it? Um, when, when they, they over fertilized or over watered the rough and it just got uh, out of control. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays. I, I I, I think a lot of it depends on the weather as to uh, what player it would suit. Well, I think the weather forecast throughout the week is to the, the winds to be there as it often is in Wisconsin. Uh, we've seen the whistling straights in the past as well, where winds tends to be a factor. And of course, unlike a conventional, no, a really a normal links course, which this isn't really a links course at all. Uh, the reality is that you can't really run the ball into any of the greens here. It's all played through the air. So if the wind is a factor, then it's going to make it even harder. And obviously, you know, trajectory, ball control. You know, controlling the flight of the ball is going to be a massive asset to any of these players and a really you know, paramount importance. You mentioned players being quite positive about the golf course. One of those guys is actually Rory McIlroy, who spent the weekend here at Aaron Hills. He played a couple of practice rounds. He walked the course on Friday and he was very complimentary towards it. He thought it was a very fair setup. He liked the course. He liked the, the challenge of it. He thought the greens were a little bit interesting, was how he put it, which maybe is a bit of a funny word that tour, tour pros like to use every so often, which isn't always complimentary. But yeah, he seemed quite uh, happy with how the course was playing, how it was set up, and uh, thought it would reward, kind of, it would actually encourage players to play quite aggressively, obviously depending on the conditions as the week progresses. So the golf course right now, by my understanding, is firm but not to the point of being cartoonish like Chambers Bay was two years ago where it was just it was like playing concrete. It was so firm and fast that it was getting silly. Uh, this isn't quite at that level. So for, hopefully it'll stay. Hopefully the USG again will manage it. They'll wash the greens properly. They'll, they'll manage the fairways and they will, you know, obviously there's a lot of pressure on them. A lot of the players coming in have kind of put the pressure on them. There were quotes from Adam Scott obviously kind of condemning some of the setups from the USGA in the past. And uh, the players have had some of the goodwill uh, with the USGA has been extinguished in recent years by some of the setups. Go back to Shinnecock in 2004 where the Greens you know, died really there. Uh, Beth Page Black in 2002 when players could even reach, I think it was a 10th fairway off the tee, it was that far back. So they've had issues obviously with the rules as well in recent years. And uh, I think the players are always a little bit sniffy towards amateurs uh, setting up golf tournaments. Um, I think that's always. I think the professionals kind of feel that way about that as well. When obviously they, they like to have their own championships and whatnot, and courses set up how they like it to be. While the USJ have this kind of macabre love for the scores being around par. And oh, and just to kind of make further that point, obviously the US Open likes to kind of distinguish itself from the other majors by being this ultra difficult par. Is at the premium? You know, this narrow fairways. Generally speaking, hard conditions, punishing, fast greens. And um, how do you feel about that setup? Is it, to me, I don't think many people would say the US Open is their favourite major. It seems almost attritional. It's not, it's not fun for the guys to play and it's probably not fun to watch. But I think some people do take kind of a delight in watching tour players almost reduced to the level of the average player. But I don't particularly agree with that. I, I want to see the best players go out there and express themselves uh, in the best way. Look at the Open Championship last year at Royal Trude. We had Stenson Mickelson there going head to head. A great championship. The winning score was 20 under par. No one lost their minds. It was a fair setup. The conditions were favourable and the guys went out and played brilliantly. But it seems that the US Open historically it's had a habit of trying to almost manipulate the scores and trying to artificially restrict what the players can do. And I don't particularly like that. So, Owen, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I think uh, every time it rolls around, the kind of sadistic nature of me, uh, golfer, 
in me comes around and says, oh, yeah, it'd be great to see them struggle and, uh, you know, and, and how many doubles and trebles and quads can we see on TV? And uh, I think yeah. every golfer's got a little bit of that in them, but that quickly kind of pales into the background as you realise that you don't have a great golf tournament on your hands. And, yeah. you know, like you've just said, you want to see the best players in the world uh, going toe-to-toe, making birdies against each other. Um, and, and that is only produced by a really fair golf course. And the more tricky and the more tricked up you make it, um, the more you find you get kind of odd names up the leaderboard, maybe not winning it. Um, so I think, I think yeah, I, I'd much prefer them to set it up a bit, a bit easier, maybe a bit fairer. I mean, don't get me wrong, these golf courses aren't easy. If these guys go out and shoot 10, yeah. between 8 and 12 under, uh, 10 under or something like that, the, the golf course is still going to be very, very hard. Um, but you'll get a better major uh, as a result, I'm sure, and a better leaderboard at the end of the day, and that's all what we all want to see. Yeah, I think so. I think it was a great quote I once heard where, I think it was, uh, if a great if a golf course does not yield a low score to great play, then there's something wrong with the golf course. And uh, I think that's perhaps true of the US Open in the past. We haven't seen too many low scores, but if guys can go out there and they play well and they can shoot low scores, then again, it's, 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 a, it's a fair setup that way. And I think that's actually many ways why the Open Championship here in the UK, I think, is uh, historically the superior championship because, to me, they have made some mistakes in the past, like you say, Carnoustie and so on. Uh, but I think, generally speaking, the RNA, for all their faults, many faults indeed, they tend to set up the Open Championship fairly and it's down to the conditions. If the wind blows, then it's hard. If it's not, then it's easier. And in the end, the players are allowed to kind of go out there and express themselves. I think, generally speaking, that's why they have a better championship overall. Even Augusta National in more recent years has had a habit of trying to manipulate scores by changing the, the firmness of the greens uh, dramatically from day to day, which I think is a little bit gimmicky and uh, I think takes away from the championship in many ways there at Augusta. So the US Open, obviously, this week, we're talking about the golf course. It's always a massive topic every year at the US Open, the setup. You know, obviously the, the proof will be when the, the tournament begins on Thursday and we see how it gets on and um, obviously the, the best player in the end of the week will win but hopefully they get through this week without, any, without too many disasters and the players, you know, it's hard punishing and all the rest of it but you know, it rewards good golf as well. I think that's kind of the balance that they have to try and find. But moving on to kind of the players themselves there and obviously we talked about the last year's champion Dustin Johnson who had an incredible you know, start to this year but obviously had that injury at Augusta, missed the Masters been a bit messy since then for him so coming in here though given the way he won last year Owen obviously he's a massive hitter straight hitter in terms of all the stats he's way up there in every part of his game he's become almost a complete golfer and uh, surely it would be a surprise if Dustin wasn't near at the top of the leaderboard on Sunday yeah I'm struggling to see how he won't win it to be honest it's um yeah kind of made for him isn't it I mean everything about it um the length, um, the slightly wider fairways, the, like you say, the wind's going to blow a bit. It's really hard to see how he hasn't got every you know bit of his game ready for a golf course like this. And um, mm-hmm. I'm really, really struggling to look past him, um, you know, uh, to, to not see him winning. Saying that, you know, golf's a, a funny game and uh, it has a habit of kicking you when you when you think you've got it sorted. And um, it may well be he just has an off week and, and doesn't compete. But uh, if he's on... Um, it's very, very difficult to see how he's not going to win this. Yeah, he's certainly he's he's a bookie's favourite, and, and I think rightly so. It's hard to argue against it. And obviously, a guy who's coming back from injury, kind of as well as Rory McIlroy, obviously had kind of a frustrating season so far. Rib injury back in January, so missed some events there. Came back for the Masters, wasn't quite ready. 
Then he played in the Players' Championship, recurred that injury, missed Wentworth, missed the Memorial, and he's come back here. But he spent a couple of weeks at uh, Quinta do Lago in uh, Spain, had a great you know, time there. So Portugal and uh, had a good time there. And um, uh, if he's now feeling fit and healthy, he's swinging well. Uh, say he had great preparation this week at Aaron Hills. You're practicing well there. He's, he's happy with the golf course. He's, he's coming off kind of positive attitude, and it kind of goes back to that quote that Jack Nicholas had back in the day, where if he heard players complaining about the course setup or conditions, then he could just tick them off the list. They're not going to win. He's not going to win. But Rory's coming in here positive, and obviously he's won the U.S. Open before. You know, obviously in terms of the tools he has, great driver, hits the ball a mile. On his day, he can reduce any golf course to you know to its knees. So how do you see Rory coming in here this week? Obviously, he's had a mixed season so far. Stop, start, hard to get any sort of momentum going with his game. Will that hold him back this week? Yeah, yeah massively. Um, it's really difficult to get a gauge on where Rory is with his game, isn't it? I mean, he um, he really hasn't played uh, hardly any golf. It's uh, it's, yeah. it's hard to understand how how he could win this week. Um, where he's at, he's got, he, you know, when he has played, his form has been pretty patchy, uh, not particularly good at all. Um, saying that and the caveat to all that is he's a genius really he's supremely talented the most talented player in the in the field the best ball striker in the field um, you know on a long golf course uh, that's, that's going to play dividends so uh, I really don't know it's one of those you'd be surprised if he went and won but you wouldn't be that surprised and um, you know I really hope Rory uh, features it's a while since we've seen him up there in a major really uh, taking it by the scruff of the neck and um It'd be great to see him uh, now going toe to toe with Justin. Um, you know, like everyone's been expecting for the last couple of years. Yeah, that would be, that would be the great kind of you know powerful you know head to head battle there. The, the two most I think uh, technically and naturally gifted players in the game going head to head would be obviously a great spectacle. But kind of looking at Rory, this, this is kind of a, a diversion that kind of came to my head there, and uh, about players now. Rory is obviously he's twenty eight now, but now he's getting his kind of niggly injuries, and uh, you know that. How concerned is that for his future? We see, look at Jason Day as well, another guy coming towards thirty, and he has so many niggly injuries. You know, is there an explanation behind that? How concerned are you for Rory in his future if these niggly injuries are already kind of part of his game at this relatively young age? Yeah, that's hugely concerning. I think uh, I can remember when Tiger was twenty twenty one, and um, I, I can't remember who it was commentating, but. One of the commentators was saying that his his back is going to put too much pressure on his back and his back's going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And and lo and behold, Tiger's got obviously huge back problems, partly caused I think by his left knee injury and um, mm-hmm. and the pressure that's putting on his back. But um, he's got big back issues, uh, and a lot of these guys are now putting the same amount of force through their body that Tiger was uh, 15, yeah. 20 years ago. Um, and I know that they've got uh, they've got all all the stuff going on with, with the weights and the weight training and the coaches making sure that they can cope with that force. But it is quite amazing what goes through the body in a golf swing and the amount of turn and twist um, and the speed. So it's hugely concerning. And the signs are that quite a few of them are picking up injuries uh, over and over and again. Um, you know, even Dustin Johnson's had his fair share of injuries as well. So. It yeah. is concerning, and you do wonder whether this is going to uh, going to recur, and we're going to see these guys having slightly shorter careers, be more powerful players, but slightly shorter mm-hmm. careers, and and not making it into uh, the late forties and fifties of golfers. I mean, we'll only find out in time, but um, it's very worrying yeah. the the amount of pressure Rory's putting on his uh, on his body through his golf swing, and the amount of injuries he's picking up. 
Yeah, I think that's perfectly. That's absolutely right. And uh, again, like you say, there all these players are almost kind of archetypal. They're following up Tiger's sort of lead. He changed the game. He raised the bar, and they're kind of following his template. And uh, they all kind of grew up admiring him, watching him. And uh, you know, it's interesting to see the kind of the correlation of younger players now having back problems where in the past they probably wouldn't have done. And uh, you know, what's the way? And you know, obviously the kind of the torque they put in their body, the pressure they put on their back. Obviously, they're hitting hundreds of golf balls every single day. Certain training and so on, and uh, it's yeah, it's uh, we'll, obviously we'll know that more in time, but it's certainly a, a discussion point I think we'll probably see more of in the coming years when we see perhaps players who maybe play a little bit differently. I've always thought that perhaps Jordan Spieth might have a longer career than all these guys because he seems to play more like a throwback sort of player, it's less sort of power orientated, it's less sort of aggressive that way. And I think he might have a longer career as a result of that. I'm not saying he's a better golfer than Rory or anything like that, I don't think he is, but I think he might have a longer career. It may obviously time will tell, but it's certainly an interesting discussion point. Obviously, US Open this week, you know, Dustin Johnson talked about him. Big favourite. Roy McIlroy there as well. It's kind of an outside favourite. But kind of, are there any other names that wouldn't stand out to you as being potential winners this week? Obviously, there's, you know, Jason Day still there. Jordan Spieth still there. Younger guys like John Ram, kind of, he's emerging through, but maybe he's too young, maybe he's too inexperienced to win in a golf course like this. It's so kind of attritional, potentially. You know, what, what, which players stand out to you as being potential winners this week? Uh, I think I think you mentioned most of them. It's hard to go outside of the ones you mentioned, actually. And I think John Ram would be the number one choice of those guys that you might be slightly surprised at if he if he won. But his game is in a similar mould to Dustin Johnson, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. So he's you know he's a power hitter, hits the ball ridiculously long. Obviously, he's not scared of anybody or anything or any golf course uh, on the planet. So there's no reason to think he couldn't win. Um, Sergio as well um there's no reason why Sergio couldn't be up there he's obviously full of confidence um mm-hmm. ball striker long hitter um a lot of things going for him as well and there's one other player obviously a European Alex Noren uh the confidence he's got the way he's playing if he gets hot um he obviously knows how to win and it's about time he he competed up there in a major and um this could be a week for him again a massively long hitter um you know those are the names I'd throw into the mix U.S. Open often springs a massive surprise. So, um, you know, there's 156 players in the field, I think. So, um, you know, there's quite a lot of those could could win it. Oh, absolutely. You know, obviously a big field. And again, patience will be such a massive part of the of the examination, as like USG like to put it. Uh, that's the kind of word they like to use. Uh, but I'll tell you, it's kind of a an outside bet. And this is actually coming from our dear colleague, Derek Clements, who writes most of our tour previews for Golf Shake. And uh, he's written a lot of content this week on the website. You can go and check it out and read that. And his tip for the US Open, Owen, to win is Kevin Kisner. So there you go. There's a name from left field. So if if... Kevin Kisner's up there on Sunday. You know, Derek Clements, he's a genius. Yeah, so, and Kevin Kisner. Yeah, worth, definitely worth an each-way bet. You know, massive yeah, confidence. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good good player, home open. Why not? Yeah, but exactly. Why not? Again, any player can win. And like you say, he's a good player. He's won on the tour. He's uh, he's quite consistent. He's quite a good attitude. And he's got kind of all the tools there. And you can get him at fifty to one in the betting. So he's he, people are kind of paying attention to him clearly, given he's not way out there. So yeah, Derek, you know that's that was his pick. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, Bob's the U.S. Open second major of the year. Always kind of a again, Owen said it's that kind of you know masochistic sort of sadistic watching it. You know, watching guys potentially struggle and whatnot. And perhaps one week of the year we can kind of accept that as being something a little bit different and uh, seeing the guys sort of tested in a different sort of way than what they're used to, which, again, I suppose is fascinating, if not necessarily 
particularly entertaining. It's not so much about birdies and eagles, it's more you know, making pars and occasionally some good bogeys as well. And obviously a, a real test of character for all these players. But in the end, you know, in recent years, despite all the mishaps in the championship, they've had some really strong winners in recent years. Obviously the last couple of years with Spiefen, Dustin Johnson, Rory winning, of course, Justin Rose, Martin Keimer in recent years. So they've had a really good run of winners. And uh, you know, will that continue this week? You know, Time will tell. So obviously US Open, we have great coverage in Golf Shake throughout the week. Obviously, the podcast as well. Listen to, get involved this week. You know, you know, tweet us, Facebook us. You know, get in the forums, talk about the U.S. Open. Who's going to win? Can Kevin Kisner come through and shock everybody and win the championship? You never know. Anything can happen. But again, it's also a great week of the year. Big coverage on Sky this week. You know, eight hours of coverage every single day, so you will not miss a minute of the 117th US Open from Aaron Hills, which of course will be a new venue, an unknown men- venue for most of us, and uh, that will come of its own fascinations as well. But in terms of new golf courses, on as we touched on at the start of the podcast, you had the chance to experience a golf course last week, West Cliffs, which has been a, a die design course in Portugal. And uh, again, it's opened up to kind of rave reviews. People really loved it. And you said to me in an email last week that it was the best golf course you've seen in Europe. So... Tell us more. Yes, uh, absolutely. I was very fortunate to be invited over to Portugal, um, Praia de Rey, uh, near Lisbon. It's about 45 minutes to an hour's drive uh, outside of Lisbon, uh, right on the Atlantic uh, coast. So be- beautiful spot, um, absolutely gorgeous. And um, yeah, this is a new golf course. It's been a, a long time coming. They've uh, they've had it planned uh, for about 14 years, I think, uh, the first approach was made to Cynthia Dye, the golf course architect who's looked after the project. So 14 years in the making, there's a lot of uh, plan of mission, there's a lot of uh, going back and forth to the Portuguese government, trying to make sure uh, the, the ecology and the biology uh, of, the, of the site's right and looked after because it's a fantastic piece of land. Um, but they've got there eventually and they've built something absolutely uh, stunning. And I, I often think when I go to Europe... Um, I play, you know, you hear about these golf courses uh, here in the UK. There's lots of guys go off on holiday to uh, golf on holiday to Spain, Portugal, um, France, occasionally Italy, and and you hear about these golf courses and they almost have a folklore built up. And you go and play them, and you're kind of slightly underwhelmed, and you realise how lucky you are in the UK uh, with the quality of mm-hmm. golf courses that we have, uh, and a lot of them in Europe, obviously, uh, resort courses. Um, this has been billed as a resort course. It definitely isn't a resort course. Uh, it's a lot, lot better than that and a lot, lot harder than the, than that typical uh, tag that's put on a course. It's much more of a championship course um, and uh, it's beautiful, beautiful setting. It's on the, the cliffs, as you'd expect, with a name like West Cliffs. And it really does make uh, fantastic use uh, of the land um, around it. It's a big bit of property, um, sweeps up the hills. You've got holes going up and down the hill with fantastic views. You've got ocean views from every single hole. And what's particularly impressive is the way that Cynthia Dye has used that land and used the um, ecology uh, around it and, and the topography uh, to really sit the golf course in there. And, you know, the, the hazards kind of it's very heathlandy, um, a lot of natural um, plants and shrubs in there, uh, not a lot of trees, actually. And they kind of merge away into uh, wasteland. The bunkers merge into the wasteland and that merges into uh, the scrubland and the heather. Um, and if you think of something like uh, the Surrey Sandbelt courses, Sunningdale or Hankley Common, something like that, picture one of those and then kind of merge it, um, um, you know, with something like Whistling Straits uh, and the way the top- topography of that and the way the land sits. And you've got uh, you've got the, an idea in your head of what it might look like. Uh, it's 
it's got to be seen to be believed, but it's a fantastic course. <laughs> well, sounds like it. Uh, you mentioned Cynthia Dyer there, who you actually met last week, but unfortunately you spoke to her, but uh, the interview has not made it back from Portugal, I'm afraid. Owen did, but the interview didn't. So it, it's still stuck somewhere across the ocean. So, But Owen, try and paraphrase, what was your conversation like with her? And uh, what what was her kind of principles, philosophy going into designing that golf course? What was her thinking behind it? And uh, what was the conversation like? Well, it's fascinating. I mean, I've never really had the chance to sit down with a golf course architect, um, you know, on a golf course that they've built, um, so new and so fresh in the mind as well, and talk to talk to them um, about what they were thinking when they did it and, and what they have to do to balance, um, you know, working with the government, working with the owner, what the land allows them to do or not to do, um, the acreage, the amount of water they've got. There's so much goes into building a golf course. It's it's absolutely a fascinating subject. And if you're a bit of a golf geek like me, you'll absolutely um, love looking more into how golf courses are built and how they run mm. uh, and what they need to do and the drainage that's required and, and all this sort of stuff. So it was brilliant. Um, and what what she said basically is she was she, she realised the potential um, in the plot of land very early on. And it was actually, you can't believe when you go there, it was covered in trees uh, when she first got to the, plat, uh, the plot. And it was... Um, it was trees that weren't natural uh, to Portugal uh, and they were allowed to take all the trees out and all this kind of heathland and uh, shrubs and plant life, which changes colour throughout the year. Um, it's a very colourful golf course, um, appeared. And, and so I think she realised she had something very special on her hands there. And, um, you know, and then Mulder began moulding it with the owner and they obviously had a vision to create something quite unique uh, for that part of the world in terms of a golf course. And, um, like I say, it took 14 years in the process. They had to manage the water supply very carefully. Uh, there's a couple of reservoirs around the golf course which didn't particularly like, but there's nothing you can really do about that because they have to have the water. Um, but it was fascinating talking to her about how she managed all, all that and put it together. Um, and then talking to her about, obviously, she's from a very famous uh, golf course architecture firm in, in, in Dye, and her uncle Pete Dye is one of the most famous golf course architects in the world, if not the most famous golf course architect in the world. Uh, and what she learned from him in in order to you know create uh, the the shape of the greens, the way they putt, how she creates slopes, um, all that sort of stuff. It's absolutely fascinating, and um, she can be very proud of what she's created. She's created an absolutely beautiful golf course in the eye, but it also plays uh, fantastically well as well. Sounds great. And you mentioned there, obviously, Die Design Group, a big, big organization designing golf courses all across the world. And including, of course, it was recently announced it's going to be a project by Die Design in London. So has being uh, at Westcliff, seeing that firsthand, experiencing that sort of philosophy and talking to them firsthand, has that made you even more excited about that project that's coming to the UK in the coming years? Yeah, very, very excited. I think it's uh, Pete Dye's son, uh, I believe, that's doing the Die Design project um uh in in london but they, they've obviously got a philosophy across the group about how they're going to do it and a lot will depend on budget in london and, and and how it's delivered but um if that's anything to go by we, we're in for a treat uh having a new golf course in london they just don't come around very often these days either mm-hmm. it's very rare that you see a new golf course being built with the game um struggling a little bit in terms of participation numbers it's fantastic to see a golf course like this come on board um you know, and the one in London will be really, really exciting as well. I'm, you know, I can't wait to see uh, how that emerges. And actually, having had a taste of talking Cynthia Dye about the the approach the architect takes and and how it goes, we'll be very much looking to see if we can uh, get a bit of information and and follow the Dye Design course uh, on the journey as it goes from um, 
basically a, uh, you know a plot of land to uh, to a full blown golf course over the years. It'd be fascinating to uh, to follow that journey. Yeah, it's quite a fascinating journey from start to finish. And a golf course we kind of forget about it. Obviously, the development of a course from the almost from the seeds up, and uh, it's amazing what they can kind of create. And again, Aaron Hills with the US Open is kind of an example of that as well. A very natural golf course, which I should also mention has fourteen blind shots on it. I forgot to mention that earlier. So there's another kind of hidden hazard to Aaron Hills, which uh, apparently is more visually intimidating than it actually is. It looks it looks scarier than it is in reality. So again, that's the US Open this week. Again, these modern golf courses are springing up. Again, they're taking kind of design philosophies from the classic layouts across the world from the back in the day whether it be in Australia or in the UK or even some of the old ones in America and again these modern designers are really taking those kind of principles and kind of expanding on it themselves and again you get some really fascinating courses we'll see obviously Aaron Hills on television this week but again you know West Cliffs it sounds great and I'm sure the the dye design course in London in the coming years will certainly uh, attract significant attention as well so Owen I think that's probably that'll do us for this week's podcast it's went through without a hitch as far as I can tell for once which is obviously great and you just about held up health wise so go back to bed have a lem sip and chill out and uh, hopefully you'll be back to full health next week where we can talk about the US Open who well obviously talk about Kevin Kisner's big win if you're to believe our great pal Derek Clement so Owen thanks again for your time this week no problem Yes, pleasure. It'll be just interesting to see how much your goal shaped wages you're going to put on Kevin Kisner. <laughs> uh, mm, what do you think about that one? Uh, well, actually, our great our great leader in golf shake, uh, Darren, who he doesn't believe in gambling, and, and due to that, I'm not going to break that sacred vow. I'm going to stay out of the murky world of gambling. So again, listeners, that is kind of a, a mantra for you: stay away from gambling. It's bad for you, it really is. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>